God in unexpected places. This is the Messy Spirituality Podcast. Here's Jason Elam. Hey, everyone. This is Jason. Before we get into the episode this week, I just wanted to invite you to join the Messy Conversations group on Facebook. You know, I've always wanted a place where we can all engage together with the ideas and topics raised on the podcast. So we've started Messy Conversations as a place for the Messy Spirituality podcast community to further engage with those topics, to engage in conversations about deconstruction, reconstruction, and everything in between. For the privacy and safety of everybody involved, it's a closed group. Healthy, respectful debate is, of course, encouraged, but any name-calling, finger-pointing, accusatory, or toxic conversation gets folks bounced from the group. Hopefully, that won't ever be an issue. We really just wanted a place where you can come and tell us what's on your mind as a result of the conversations that we have here on the Messy Spirituality Podcast. You can go to facebook.com slash groups slash messy conversations with an S, it's plural, Messy Conversations to join the conversation, and I hope to see you there. Cody and Elaine Johnston are business owners, podcasters, and creative forces of nature. Elaine is a gifted writer and the host of the Prodigal Daughter podcast, debuting tomorrow. Cody is an accomplished musician and hosts a biblical history podcast called Itinerant, and together they host The Reckless Pursuit, which I'm a big fan of, and I think you will be too. Welcome to the Messy Spirituality Podcast, Elaine and Cody Johnston. Thank you for having us. I'm really excited to talk to you both today. Before we get into talking about your podcast, can you tell us a little about your backstory? Were you both raised as people of faith? Yes, we were. We um, were. Elaine, I'll let you okay, take this yeah, first. Mine's, I, mine's a little more convoluted, so yeah, I'll let her I go have first. a shorter story. So yeah, like growing up, I grew up in a Christian household. We honestly didn't go to church other than Easter or like... Mother's Day, just holidays. But I was raised, you know, reading my Bible and praying every night with my mom before bed and stuff like that. And then I was about 14 whenever I started going to church and just completely fell in love with it. It was a Baptist church, like five minutes from the road from my house. And I just completely fell in love with it, fell in love with all the pastors, the youth pastor, was super active in the youth group. I led worship, I helped lead worship, I led small groups. And um, it was just such a beautiful experience. And the, the biggest thing that I loved was that my youth pastor told us to think for ourselves and often told us to not just take things at face value. Just because a pastor tells you something, really dig in deeper. And if it sits right with you or just asking God to kind of reveal what specific scripture or lessons meant to you. And so I was very open with my faith. And then I went off to college and joined a campus ministry Really loved that at the time I was going to it. And that's pretty much my spiritual journey up until now where I'm like even more bold with my faith and diving even more into the questions aspect. You know, I I was taught to ask questions, but for the most part, I didn't really ask questions or I didn't really dig deeper for myself. I knew that I could. I just never really took the leap. And so now um, I'm diving even more into what that looks like. What a gift to just be given that permission to ask questions from the beginning, though. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's not my experience. Uh, <laughs> I grew up in a home. Uh, I guess I'll just start with my family dynamic. My father and I are very close. We've always been pretty close. My dad always wanted a son, and he was gifted as an only child. That's all he got, and that's what he wanted. So uh, here I am. 
And the other side of that story is around whatever I was probably two and a half, maybe just turned three. I think I just turned three. My grandmother passed away, which led my mom down this spiral into alcoholism. And it got worse and worse and worse as I got older. And so my dad, uh, working for a sports, a local sports team for baseball, he works really long hours in the summer whenever baseball is going on. And so for 16, 17 hour days, you know, for seven to 10 day spans, it would just be me and my mom. And my mom, of course, would be drunk. And I kind of ended up raising my mother in a really strange way. And just kind of a flash forward, uh, alcoholism actually took my mother's life last year. And so it was, it, it, like I said, it was very chronic enough for it to come to the point of it taking her life. So whenever I was a kid, the one thing my mother did do very well, my mom was a very religious woman. And I say that she was raised Pentecostal. Uh, my dad grew up in a um, Nazarene church. So both of them have spiritual backgrounds. My dad kind of quit going to church work and all that was just too much for him. And he kind of stepped away from that. But my mom always saw to it that I was in church. We started at a very conservative Baptist church, not too far from our house, which we got kicked out of because my mom wore dress pants instead of a dress, and that was inappropriate, and she was being immodest, so they told us we had to leave. Oh, my goodness. We left there and went and started uh, attending a non-denominational church, and that church fell apart whenever the lead pastor left his wife. He was struggling with homosexual, you know, like uh, struggling in his marriage, excuse me, struggling in his marriage because he was a homosexual, but he was forced, you know, forced to conform to these standards of Christianity. And his wife and him had always suffered. They had kids together, but he was never happy in his marriage. So they ended up getting a divorce and he moved away. And so he was the pastor of that church. And of course, whenever he left, the church fell apart. And from there, I went and started attending an Assembly of God church, which I was, I guess I would say that's the church I was raised in. I was there on and off most of my life from the ages of, you know, like a child up until, I guess, my later teenage years. And so I was there. I ended up leaving that church a couple times, one time from a pastoral shift and I wasn't driving. My mom quit going because I got a new pastor. And then I started a from there, I kind of dabbled in some other practices, some witchcraft, some paganism, ended up going back to church. And uh, whenever I guess we got resettled in there, I started leading worship at the church. I was an electric guitar player and backup vocals. One day, my dad asked me why he can never hear me whenever I was on stage. So I asked the sound tech and the response I received was I was there to be seen, not heard. Basically, I was a figurehead to keep the youth happy. So that made me pretty offended and I ended up leaving. From there, I was in a Christian, local, contemporary Christian band, traveled around. So I was in and out of every denomination imaginable. I have pretty much roots in a little bit of everything. I've seen pretty much all the different aspects there is to see uh, in all the major branches of denominational Christianity, I guess you could say. Uh, from there, I ended up walking away from church and saying, screw it. They're a bunch of hypocrites. I want no part of it. I left that and... Ultimately, ended up getting invited to another non-denom church where I became the worship pastor of and the youth pastor. And I was a worship pastor there for seven and a half, right at, I think, seven, seven and a half years, somewhere in there. And then I was the worship, or excuse me, I was the youth pastor for three and a half years and ended up leaving there due to some disagreements and just kind of... uh Really, my own questioning kind of got in the way. And then there was just a bunch of things where 
my own words were used against me a few times and it became very top-down authoritarian and I kind of had to step out of that role as well. And that's what led us to ultimately starting our podcast. So that's my long story. At what point did you two meet? Okay, so I was, uh, that was five years ago. And I was a, I was still the youth pastor full time at the church that I was, like I said, the church that I was pastoring at. Elaine was in college locally here in Little Rock, Arkansas. And I was not in college. Like I said, I went through the, you know, the seminary route and got my, my credentials and everything. I had actually just finished getting my credentials at that point. And I was completely burnt out. I was so tired of working church and I needed something else. And I had a friend who I grew up with and she invited me to come to a campus ministry there. The one that I was currently attending. And I pretty much went uh, to this college campus ministry to be around people my age because I didn't have that at my church and to not have to work church for a minute to try to actually attend church. So And so like we had this mutual friend and she, you know, I, I went to this campus ministry, she did, and then Cody, you know, kind of started coming, like he said, because he wanted to meet people his age. Well, one time you were like Cody was supposed to go with this friend, but I think the friend like last minute wasn't able to make it. She was sick then. Yeah, she was sick. And so Cody was like, Well, I guess I'm gonna go anyway, just kind of experience this for myself. And then that's kind of where we met. And then, well, yeah, because you thought I was dating her. Yeah, I thought he was dating (laughs) our friend, but let's be honest, you didn't care if I was. No, okay, she pursued me, she hunted me down. (laughs) That makes me sound so bad. (laughs) But they weren't dating, (laughs) it wasn't gonna stop you. (laughs) No, but I just, I I don't know what came over me. (laughs) (laughs) Did he have the manly beard back then? Yes, that was actually okay. like my main, my, yes, that was it. Because I remember I had came out of like a bad relationship going into college. And then, so I was like, I had um, declared singledom for the entirety of my life. And it wasn't because I was bitter. I just didn't she like was bitter. I, no, I wasn't <laughs> like, <laughs> I was okay with being single. And like, I just didn't, I just wanted to pursue what God had for me. And I didn't want to get carried away with you know, relationships. And I just didn't want to get hurt again. But in the back of my head, I was like, if I do get married, he will have a beard. (laughs) That was like the only thing. And I know I probably should have said, oh, he should love Jesus and all this stuff. But (laughs) the first thing I was like, well, he's going to have a beard. And whenever I first saw him, I was like, yep, that's the one. And then it it worked out. (laughs) And then she added me on Facebook. No, No, you you added me on Facebook and and I never told you my name. Okay, but we were best friends with the same person. Anyway, so she changed her profile picture just to get my attention. So I'd show up in her timeline and the rest is history. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> wow. That is the best getting together story I've ever yes. heard. I love that. We didn't even we didn't even talk about the part where uh we all had like a Valentine's Day pray over each other uh-huh. service uh-huh. and she got the nervous stomach things and ended up having like explosive bathroom issues. Yeah. Oh, so I didn't even get to goodness. pray over her because I was gonna hunt her down. I was gonna I'm hunt sure. her down and pray for her, but no, yes. no, she had to get nervous. <laughs> yep. Wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. So from the time you got together, did you, uh, did you know early on that you wanted to own your own business and be this creative force that you've become so early in life? For me, I've always had an entrepreneur. It's so cliche, but I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit. I love starting things. 
I'm not always the best at following through long-term, but I love starting things. Uh, whenever I was a teenager, in order to raise money for band equipment, we actually got into making paracords, and we sold like over $6,000 worth of paracords to, to local schools. Like we had to buy it in bulk, you know, thousand foot rolls at a time. I got into making instruments. I would make like woodwind type instruments. They're called ocarinas. I got into making that. Like I've always been dabbling in something. Whenever I was a little kid, I used to make mud pies and sell them to the neighbors. So it, it literally is one of those things. I've always loved doing and making and making people happy and being kind of in service based. And then whenever I was uh, 15, I helped my dad start our current business that we still run, and it's a concessionaire business based out of the same ballpark that I've pretty much grown grown up in, and that business ultimately got passed down to Elaine and I whenever my mom kind of progressed to a place where she can no longer run it because of her alcoholism. So I ended up buying that business back from my parents, and Elaine and I run that. So for me, it's always been a thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Elaine, what's well, your... Well, I guess for me... My number one thing was I always wanted to be a public speaker and I wanted to be an author and I wanted to travel to conferences and and just have just public speaking events and just meeting different people around the world. And so whenever I was in high school, I kind of was in like FBLA, like business groups in high school. And so it was interesting, but I never really wanted to do like the technical stuff or having to worry about taxes and finance and all that stuff. But whenever I went off to college, I was like, you know, one day I'm going to live in New York City. I'm going to be my own boss. I'm going to be a CEO and all this stuff. And then whenever Cody and I got together, I was already a blogger. And just kind of from little things along the line of blogging and journaling and, you know, just kind of being in that space whenever we got together and he was like, hey, I have this business. And just kind of from there, everything kind of just blossomed into being more of like a business mindset. So originally for me, it wasn't necessarily business, but it was public speaking. And so I guess that's similar enough in the same um, vein. Of well, and similar to what we do now, yeah. honestly. I know so many younger folks, you know, I'm 45, so I'm guessing y'all are significantly younger than me. But I know a lot of younger folks, uh, my own kids included, who would love to do what the two of you do. You really seem to have the life that you have set out to have. Do you have any tips for how to make that happen? What are the characteristic traits that that keep you um, moving forward with your dreams. Yeah, I guess just uh, to start for everyone's reference, uh, I'm 26. And I'm 23. So we've been running our own business for three, as long as we've been married. Yeah. So I've been I've been running a business that literally was like my full-time income since I was 22, a year before we got married. And I would say the biggest thing is what motivates you. And for me, I've always, I'm not a school person. I'll just, I'll be really blunt. You know, Elaine is so good at sitting down. She can write papers like nobody's business. She can study, she's organized. And if I have to go and sit behind a desk, I might as well bring an oxygen tank with me. I just, I can't, I cannot sit in a school classroom. I was homeschooled by choice from sixth grade through uh, 12th grade. I told my parents, I'm like, I'm done. I can't waste my time anymore. These people drive me nuts. I came home every day with a massive migraine just from how loud it was and how unruly everything was. And I just, I'm not that person. And so I am very self-motivated whenever I want to do something. 
I sit down, I learn everything there is to know about it. I will forget to eat. I'll forget to sleep. I just sit down and I learn and I consume and I love learning. I just can't do it in a classroom setting. So for me, it was kind of one of those things of either I go and I pursue working, you know, something I love, something that I put my heart and soul into, which mind you is a whole lot harder than just going and getting a nine to five job. I don't, I've had nine to five jobs and there are some days I'm just like, man, it would be nice to come home and not have to worry about anything anymore. Man, it would be nice to, to not have to worry month to month about where money comes from. But it's one of those things where I can't function in that. It, it causes me more, I guess, like self doubt and more discomfort than it does to try to push and do my own thing. So my biggest piece of advice is Find what you love and pursue it as if it's something you absolutely love. And whenever you love something enough to where it doesn't feel like work, it comes easy. Now, when I say easy, I don't mean easy as in like work free or anything like that because, oh my gosh, it's a ton of work. You know, there's so many different things to learn in any kind of business you go into. But that would be the biggest thing to me. And the second thing is don't undersell yourself. I know for me, I also... Uh, we didn't even talk about all this because we have all our podcasts. We also have an apparel line and I do photography work and advertising. So like we have a million things going on. But the biggest thing for me and the reason I mentioned the photography side is I always didn't want to charge for my work. I didn't want to charge for my services. But yet I was spending hours upon hours a month for people making little to nothing. And I realized like I have a skill people want. I've got to make it worth my time. And if people value my work, then it'll be worth it to them. And so realizing not to just undersell myself all the time. And then for me, it's just being intentional. Just journaling is such an important aspect. You know, I've been journaling since I was eight and I've had all these journals, you know, through school and through college and now, and just journaling. And I have a specific method that I do mine and just setting intentions every single day or every, at the start of every single week of saying, okay, these are the things that I want to get done, or these are the things that I have to get done. What are the small steps that I can take every single day to get to those, you know, accomplish those big goals? It's not necessarily about the big wins. It's about the small wins. And so just being just really intentional with your time and your, your thought life and just your spirituality and just taking care of yourself and taking care of your mindset is really just the biggest thing I would say. Oh, and I want to throw one more thing in the mix, if that's okay. Sure. Don't feel like you have to do everything alone. With our one business, we we see hundreds upon hundreds of, of people come through, you know, our stand every single game. And some days, you know, it's busier than others, of course. But one thing that I've really had to learn is that it's not a one-man show. I don't have to carry the weight of everything. And it's important to find people that believe in what you do and what you do isn't more or less important than anyone else. It's just your path and someone else's path may be to come along and to help you on that journey. Someone else's path may be to go and start their own thing. But whatever it is, try to help those around you and allow yourself to be helped by those around you. Good advice. It's been said that healthy things grow and growing things change. How has your faith or your spirituality changed over the years? Oh, man, how has it not changed? <laughs> There's this, uh, I like to tell this story. Whenever I was involved heavily in the AG church and whenever I was kind of like deciding ministry was kind of my 
my go-to in life. And I was really kind of pushing into all that and neglecting my business side of things saying like, oh, well, I can't go into this because that's selfish. I need to be in ministry, et cetera, et cetera. There was this time I volunteered for this festival and it was, I volunteered on like the prayer team at like a Luis Palau festival we had here in Little Rock. And I remember him saying something from the pulpit. I couldn't even tell you what it was, but I had made this condescending comment out loud, which was completely normal, mind you, in my like sphere of influence. And I had said, oh, he must be Baptist. It was a joke, or at least so I thought it was to me. It was a joke to my friends and to like my youth pastor and all that at the time. But I remember this woman turning around and just giving me the most like terrible stare. And I kind of got a little guilty from it, but I didn't think much about it till I guess a little while later when I was sitting there and I was like, man, that probably really offended her. And what makes my way of thinking so superior to hers? And that really started my first round of really trying to rework what I believe. And now I would say every time I find something that I think is truth, my goal is to rework it to see why I believe it. My goal is to ask more questions. And if I ever find an answer to a question, the answer better lead to 10 more questions because God is much bigger than the boxes we put him in. And creation in general is so much more intricate and so much more expansive than these preconceived notions that we have concocted over the years. And our faith looks nothing like what it did 100 years ago or 500 years ago or 2000 years ago. And just realizing that it's okay not to have all the answers. And if something ever leads to judging someone else or to excluding someone else, there's a good chance that's not God and you need to rework that. Yeah. And so for me, it's just being more open, diving deeper into those questions. My One of my biggest goals this year, it actually didn't come around until this summer, but something that I realized was you know, I I had been active in church for almost 10 years and, you know, had served and led and all these things, but I don't actually know what the Bible says. And I just felt convicted. And it wasn't because I didn't read the Bible, but it was because I had never really took the time to read the Bible for myself, aside from what other pastors or people in leadership had told me. And like I said, I had always been taught that I was it was okay to ask questions. I just never really did. I knew that, that there was freedom in that. I just never really explored that. So my biggest goal this year was, okay, I'm going to sit down and read the Bible as if I've never read the Bible before, as if I don't know who Jesus is, I don't know anything, and I'm able to set aside my previous knowledge and just read the Bible from where I am right now. Uh, it wasn't like far into Genesis whenever I realized like a lot of the teachings the teachings that you see don't necessarily align with the scripture or that there is other ways to interpret the scripture. And so just really seeking out who God is for me and just what Christianity as a whole, like their religion, all this stuff where we get our different practices and really understanding the history and the context of scripture and how it aligns with other religions and how to tie that into other relationships that I have who may not aspire to be Christians, but they have, you know, similar morals and similar belief systems and just honing in on those similarities. Now, a lot of times when 
there isn't a toxic faith environment. And we are actually encouraged to ask questions and to question what we're told and kind of own a faith of our own. There seem to be limits to that. Do you think that the folks who taught you to ask questions, Elaine, would be comfortable with some of the answers you came to? I would think so, just because I had a really strong relationship specifically with my youth youth pastor and his wife and the leadership that I had in high school. Um, Maybe not as much as the higher leadership. I don't think that I would be judged or cast out or whatever if I went back to my old church and was like, hey, I believe these things or I don't believe these things. I, I don't think I would be judged for it. But specifically people in the in the higher leadership, because it is a Southern Baptist church, I feel like some of that would be like, well, you may be getting off on the wrong path, or actually this is what the scripture says, or stuff like that. But the close relationships that I had with people in my youth group, you know, that I'm still active, you know, following them online and stuff, they see the stuff that they do. I've even had my youth pastor on our podcast before talking about some of these things. And so I feel like it kind of depends on the relationships. But for the most part, I, I don't think that I would be judged for the things that I'm coming kind of coming up with on my own. And even if they disagreed, it wouldn't be this, oh, you are a horrible person or you need to get saved or you need to repent or anything like that. I I think it would still be open, but there may be some questions asked of me higher up in the leadership. Gotcha. Well, I'm so glad that you had such a positive experience with the church early on. It seems like those kind of stories are getting fewer and further in between, but it's such a gift when it works out that way. Let's talk about each of your podcasts for a minute. Uh, Why did you decide to start The Reckless Pursuit? Oh man, that's a loaded question. So The Reckless Pursuit came two months after I stepped down completely from leading, actually stepped away from church completely for the most part. It was really started as, I I don't think it was selfish intention. I know a lot of people in this vein are like, I started because it was you know selfish. I need to have an outlet to work through my thoughts. I don't think that's selfish at all. I think that's very honest. And I think that a lot of us do need to work through our thoughts. And I think working through thoughts together is a beautiful thing. And that was definitely part of the reason that we started. The other big part of it was Elaine and I both love speaking. It's something we're both extremely passionate about. There's a reason, you know, I, I spoke weekly at church. You know, I, I was I spoke on Sunday mornings pretty much monthly or bi-monthly. And then of course every week in youth and I led worship every single Sunday. Like I love speaking and talking publicly. And I love other people's input and I love understanding other people's perspectives and it it fascinates me. So that was a big reason to start a podcast for, I think, both of us, Mm -hmm. Elaine and I, of course, I'm not going to try to put words in your mouth, but I think both of us were just like, we love talking about this and this is a new outlet. Let's do it. The second part was I have a ton of equipment laying around from my band days. So I didn't have to buy a dang thing to get going. And that was another big thing that was a very helpful. So we have all the microphones and interfaces and everything we need. Wow. So Elaine, what about for you? Anything else there? Yeah, I just want to add just the community aspect of it. So whenever uh, Cody and I had left the church we were attending, Two years ago, I guess almost three years ago, I think, you know, there, I talked about how great I had, um, like how, how great experiences I had, like growing up in high school and in college. But there were also some not so great um, situations that happened that ultimately led to me and Cody leaving. And one of the things that I was really burdened by just the whole situation was that we 
kind of lost part of our community. And we didn't want to lose those friendships. You know, when we started the podcast, you know, we mostly interviewed friends and it was just people that we had already knew, people that were already in our circle. And we didn't want to lose those conversations that we were having outside of the church. And so one of the biggest things I know for me, especially was just the community aspect. And now that it's grown, you know, to reaching other people outside of our network is just, has just kind of been just a beautiful thing with that experience. Yeah. Yeah. Those conversations and getting to hear people's stories and uh, what they're going through on their journey. It's such a gift. Podcasting is just the best. I think everybody should have a podcast. Absolutely. (laughs) Cody, tell me about itinerant. Where did that come from? I was listening to the witching hour episode this morning and really loved it. It's just fascinating. Uh, How did you get the idea to do that? Yeah. So like I said, I am a researcher. I love studying stuff. I love understanding specifically uh, history around religion uh, and not just Christianity, but religion in general. I've always been fascinated with, uh, and I don't want to scare anyone by saying this word, of course, I don't think I will with your audience, but you know, like the cult and all of that kind of stuff has always fascinated me since I was a kid. I love learning about creatures and all of these kind of things, right? Folklore and all of that. And there's so much of that in the Bible. But the Bible talks a little bit about a lot of things, but a lot of other books around the Bible, like the apocryphal texts and the uncanonized books and even other, you know, ancient texts from Egypt and then Babylonia, Rome, et cetera. You know, there's so much else out there around some of these same aspects, like, you know, for instance, what are demons? You know, like the Jewish texts have nothing about demons. Like whenever they think of demons, it's not even the same thing. And most people don't realize demonology the traditional view of a demon is actually a poltergeist. It's something that we conjure up that haunt us based on our own thoughts. It's a literal thing, but it comes from our own creation, the own negative, like we are the bridge between physical and spiritual. And so like all of these aspects just fascinate me. And then there's so many stories in the Bible that we just gloss over. I'm about to sit down today and write this week's episode that comes out. It's a bi-weekly podcast. And I'm talking all about, I guess, I guess whenever this airs, it'll it'll be back uh, toward the end of October, actually. But whenever all the different creatures in the Bible, there's so many different beasts and creatures in the Bible, and it just sounds so wild. Things like uh, unicorns and dragons and all these different things mentioned in the Bible that we don't really talk about a whole lot. And so that was my primary uh, reason for starting this, is it was an outlet, a creative outlet for me to get this kind of stuff out into the world and to flex my creative muscle with that and to learn. And that's my biggest thing is I love learning about all these different things and how they tie together. It helps me understand God and creation better. And then the second thing, and I I can't not say this just because I feel like I need to give credit where credit is due. I absolutely love the podcast Lore by Aaron Mankey. And that is pretty much where my inspiration and style came from. So that was a big inspiration for me to start it as well. Elaine, you've got a brand new podcast launching uh, tomorrow as this episode releases, uh, The Prodigal Daughter. Tell us about that. Yeah, so originally it was going to be an offshoot of my blog, The Prodigal Daughter, that I had started, uh, I guess, eight years ago, nine years ago. But the more that I've just kind of dug deeper into what The Prodigal Daughter means to me is just more into the mindset and the manifestation and meditation aspects of just linking arms with women. And so there is the idea of spirituality, but it's specifically for women who want to just 
take back their life, take back, you know, we all have talents and, and God given dreams. But a lot of times we walk away from those things because of different situations in our life. And I know women especially kind of put their dreams on the back burner due to maybe they got married early and had kids early and kind of needed to put those things on the back burner because they were raising a family or just other life situations and just allowing women to be empowered and just allow women to share their stories and create, you know, healthy habits and create a healthy mindset of just, you know, diving into who that woman God designed them to be. That's awesome. I'm really excited about the launch of that podcast. I know it's going to help a lot of people. You mentioned women putting their dreams on the shelf. Mm -hmm. Recently, John MacArthur was asked to play word association at a conference and his response to the words Beth Moore was that she should go home. He called her a narcissist and stated that there was no case to be made biblically for women preachers. So Elaine, I'm wondering what words you might associate with the words John MacArthur. Oh, man. Okay. I try not to say mean things. <laughs> it's a loaded question. Yeah. So the first thoughts that I have like are negative, but I want to be kind. Really just, I feel like just a lack of understanding or a lack of, you know, I, I know that he is a very educated man. And sometimes whenever you pursue education, not just in religion or politics or anything, but when you become so consumed with your education, you kind of lose the humanity of it and you kind of lose, you know, just the relationship aspect and, and, and you kind of lose the ability to understand those who maybe have slight different belief systems or different ways of life or different ways of going about that. And because Beth Moore, you know, often preaches behind a pulpit and, and is open and brave and bold with her, you know, thoughts and ideas and rallying up not just women, but men too. And just him having a problem with that, I feel like there's a lack of understanding and a lack of uh, allowing women the ability to share their stories. And so that's that's kind of the main things that kind of come to my mind whenever I think of his name is just the lack of humanity and the lack of understanding. Very well put. What's coming up on The Reckless Pursuit? What do you have between now and the end of the year? Uh, so we are wrapping up quite a few interviews we have had uh, we just got through going through a pretty big span through Halloween. We always do a big thing for Halloween. So we came out of that. We have some stuff coming up about journaling at the mm -hmm. end of the year with Tracy Winchell. She's the host of the Reboots podcast, Amazing Woman. We have some stuff coming out. Uh, I believe it either just came, will have just came out or is about to come out. Her name is Mary DeMuth, and she is the author of We Too. And so we're going to be diving back into sexual abuse in the church. Specifically, uh, and this is an interesting thing, sexual abuse in the church, but yet staying in church and trying to help mold the church in a proper direction, which is a nice change of pace because we talk a lot about deconstruction and we talk a lot about people walking away from church, but she's still in the SBC, you know, actively and is a very big voice in in that uh, arena speaking and trying to change the attitude for sexual abuse. What else do we have coming up? I don't have my calendar in front yeah, of me. I know so, we have a lot coming up. Yeah, in we have a lot of amazing conversations and just we have this new vision for 2020. And so we're kind of like Cody said, we're wrapping up some interviews and and just really going into the reconstruction phase and learning what it means to whenever you went through deconstruction, you're starting to learn who God is to you and what religion is to you and what faith looks like and what church looks like and just 
kind of understanding on on how to start over once you've already knocked down those walls and taken out the foundation, kind of just building back up into something more of, of fitting to you and more, you know, sitting well with you and thinking for yourself and just really diving into what that looks like. Yeah, it can be dangerous. I think a lot of times we talk so much about the uh, deconstruction or how, whatever you want to call it. I mean, that's the buzzword we use, right? But really just the unlearning of the, I guess, the dogmatic or uh, I guess the unpacking of the God box that we put him in and learning like, okay, so now what do I do with all this stuff now that it's not contained nice and neat in a box anymore? And I think we get so caught up like just in the chaos because it feels good, right? It feels good to realize there's no more limits or no more bounds, but you know, you need some kind of structure at some point. And so just realizing like, it's okay to have some kind of structure, even if that doesn't look like what you thought it would or what uh, it used to look like and just learning, like you don't have to stay in chaos. And that's a big, a big thing I know we're really pushing into as well. Yeah. I think Brian Zahn is who said, uh, how did he put it? You can't deconstruct forever. Eventually you just have nothing left. And I think that was certainly where I was headed. And I'm so grateful for voices like yours who encourage us towards reconstruction, building something healthy. Yes, you may have come out of something toxic, but you don't have to live there. You don't have to become cynical. You don't have to be hopeless about spirituality. It can actually be a positive. Uh, And it's such a gift to have voices like uh, the two of yours uh, cheering us that direction. And so I'm excited about the upcoming episodes of The Reckless Pursuit. As I said, I loved Itinerant. And I'm looking forward to uh, what's to come from the prodigal daughter. And uh, I'm so grateful for the two of you and the work that you do and the inspiration you are to so many. How can our listeners find and engage with your work online? Thank you for that, Jason. I greatly appreciate all of that. And yeah, you can find us at therecklesspursuit.com. It's all one word, therecklesspursuit.com. Elaine's stuff is at theprodigaldaughter.com. A lot of people misspell prodigal. I know I did forever. And then uh, also itinerantpodcast.com. But if you want to make this really easy, you can scratch everything that I basically just said and just go to therecklesspursuit.com. In the top left, there is a bar that goes across the screen and it literally links to all three of our things. So that's the easiest way to find everything. Very cool. We're going to link to all of that in the show notes today. Cody and Elaine, thank you so much for joining me. I'm really a big fan of your work, and I'm looking forward to what comes, uh, what's to come from you in the future. Thanks for thank having us. Thank you so us. much for having us. You've been listening to the Messy Spirituality Podcast. You can find us on Facebook and visit us online at MessySpirituality.org. You can help spread the word about the podcast by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes and sharing links to each episode on your social media. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode.